Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking state of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, Danielle and I make our last stop before episode 200, and we'll discuss fighting with people on the internet that you have never met is an ultimate waste of time. Traveling is a mind-expanding experience. Any place with fireflies can't be all bad. Stick bugs, bad handwriting, and finding the tomatoes in the garden interests me way more than any ideology. And here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 199, if you can believe it or not. As usual, my pal, Daniele Bellelli, is next to me. Congratulations, 199. That's pretty great. We almost made it to 200. For episode 200, all I can tell you is that there may be somebody, you know, there, there's a connection between the origin and the, the alpha and the omega, so to speak. That's pretty where awesome. Where we start and where we go with it. I was thinking if anybody has anything that they want to, you know, give a shout out, give us an email in the next two weeks while we get 200 ready. I'd love to people have something to say about nine and a half years of this. I, I would read a little bit here and there on the air. So if anybody just wants to say anything... Mean things that you can keep those to yourself, but um, <laughs> for the six of you that don't want to send mean stuff, that would be quite awesome. Sweet. Let's say some proper thank you to some sweet folks helping us out. So starting with Shore Design T-shirts, who produce some fantastic shirts that I've always loved and wear on a regular basis. Speaking of shirts, we are actually doing pre-orders for a new set of Drunken Taoist shirts. These are not going to be Shore Design, because Shore Design does not carry a hard black, which is what we need. But somebody from Shore Design hooked us up with the different suppliers that can provide those. Those are shirts that, for a change, may not require you to give, uh, to, have answer, to have to answer uncomfortable questions about sexuality, drug use, and violence. Where's well, that wine going? So this one is just uh, a Taoist logo with feathers hanging from it, kind of like a Native American Taoist theme. And that's the one. If you, I'm going to put it as the episode cover for this, the design, so you can check it out there. And if you want to get an episode, you could go on my social media where I posted... Uh, all the good stuff about, you know, where to send me the money, the info, the size and all that. Or you can just shoot me an email at bodhi1974 at yahoo.com. Again, bodhi1974 at yahoo.com. That's the, yeah, do, that, do something like that quick if you want the shirt, because we are not going to carry this in stock. We're just going a, doing a one-time order, probably have like two or three more weeks at top of pre-ordering before we get them. So if you want it, please act now, because they probably are not going to be around later. Having said that, also thank you to 
Aum Cellars Aum. and MateraWines.com for keeping the drunk in the drunken Taoist with their wonderful bottles of red that once in a while make their way toward Oai. Thank you to grasslandbeef.com for giving us some of their really just high quality, great products. If you're about to go grocery shopping, sh- shopping, let, let's make that shopping. Okay. Even though I'm... It's a whole uh, different thing. Yeah, don't, don't grocery shop. Gro- grocery <laughs> shop may be best. Check out grasslandbeef.com to see if they have some of the stuff that you may be interested in. That would be a good first stop. And also thank you to zebraathletics.com for making those awesome mats that are currently in my garage for jujitsu practice, which as Rich noted earlier, they have the exact same logo smack in the middle as the one that we're going to have on our T-shirts. It's a nice look. Yeah, because they can personalize mats if you so choose. Other than that, who else do? Okay, of course, Amazon. If you guys are in the mood of uh, helping us out, you can go and you're about to do Amazon shopping, you can go to the link dbamazing.com. Again, letter D, letter B, amazing.com. And shop away. And Mr. Bezos will give us a little, 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 little cut of that. Some more shit for me to carry. Right? <laughs> or you can go the other route and just send us some green energy in the form of some money sent our way. I wasn't alluding to weed, just money. If you so choose paypal.me forward slash D Bolelli, again, paypal.me forward slash the letter D and my last name, B O L E L L I. And guess what? Some of you sweet folks have done exactly that. So your reward is coming, me screwing up your last names Ooh. as I try to read them in my painful accent. Here we go. Let the pottering begin. Let's say thank you to Lisa Robles, Nick Zunik, Aistis Juska, John Vergara, Gregory Richmond, Thomas Robinson, Judith Evind, maybe, I'm not sure about that pronunciation, Nicola Togni, Diane Lynch, Jim D'Amico, Samuele Rudelli, Froggy Style Productions, and Lane Raper. You guys are fantastic. Thank you Thank so you much for much. the support. And if you want to join this brave band of heroes, you absolutely can by doing exactly what we said. Oh, you know what? Just as we speak, I didn't check my email this morning. There are a few more this morning. Oh, so update, update. Da, da, da. We are going to say thanks to Mr. Jesse Rantakangas. And let me see if there's anybody else up. Yes, Luis Pesquera and Yanni Linnima. You guys... It doesn't get any more up-to-date than that. Made the cut (laughs) just from this morning. Beautiful. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Let's just jump into the show. Here we go. Have I talked to you at all about the Trump flag lady? No. Tell me about the Trump flag lady. Out of my route, there's a person in sort of a cluttered house. And mm-hmm. on a big, tall flagpole, she's got the American flag and below it a Trump 2020 flag. And I was like, oh, Lord. Wow. What is this going to be? Yeah. She's so pleasant. Is she? Nice. She's a nice person. And so there's been interactions. Interactions to the point where 
I only really, and I, if this gets me in trouble, fuck them. I only care about two things, birthday cards and prescriptions. Right. Those things must go through. Right. These fuckers worried about their ad collections and your Carl's Jr. coupons. And in case you're not keeping up on what we're talking about, it's because Rich has joined the ranks of the postal office. So it's dark times, he's America. He's delivering left and right. So that's what this refers to. I like to remind them that we are not delivering kidneys for transplant. Right. And the majority of the shit, you know who the number one shipper of things through the post office is? The IRS. Really? Yeah. More than Amazon? Not not parcels, actually. Oh, I see. Uh, separate thing. Okay, gotcha. And yeah. I just kind of saying, I think people, when I, when I take over as postmaster, encouraging folks to write letters to each other again is going to be right. the number one thing. Yeah. It brightens people's days. You know, except if I do it, because have you ever seen my handwriting? Oh, uh, mine, I, I, Sanskrit, it's closer to than what I write. I'm looking at yours. Yours is perfectly clear, man. Yours is good. It's uh, See, this is more of a focused one. There's, I wish I had the old book because you could flip through. There's one it's nighttime. This is where it gets fun. Like, I always have that conversation with people where they're like, oh, my writing is terrible. And usually it's not that terrible. It's, it ranges from no, it's actually good to a eh, little bad, but nothing. I'm like, no, my. They're like, no, no, my. Then I show them my. And they're like, Oh, you're right. Okay. That is terrible. <laughs> that is terrible. Good God Almighty. That is a whole other thing. Perfectly clear to me, but <laughs> yes. Well, that's the problem. Mine isn't always clear to me. It's like, what the hell did I write? Right. Secret to life is... Yeah, the what? only person as bad as me that I've seen was my mom, and she can read her own shit. And I'm really? like, okay, that's bad. Yeah. If, like, at least to me, it's clear. <laughs> uh, that's why I write this way. Otherwise, I would change. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, uh, prescriptions and, and, and birthday cards really seem to be the only thing of any importance. Right. You know? That that uh, SoCal Edison bill can wait till tomorrow. Right. Um, but over time, uh, if sometimes I might accidentally miss something here and there because I'm not quite perfected it all yet. Of course. And when moments like that happen, I will actually, especially if it's somebody's medication, yeah, I'll go back and, and hunt it down at the end of the day. And Trump flag lady happened to be one one day. Right. And once again, she was pleasant. Yep. And it's just like, what have I done? I've put all these people into this pile just because they seem to have a silly notion about leadership. Terp. And that's just not enough reason to shut people down. So I think it's exactly what we've been saying, which is ideologies a dangerous beast and uh, it can it has the potential to fuck up even people who, when you remove all the ideological components from their life they can be perfectly nice and sweet people yep I mean think about like the worst ideologies in the world do you think that every committed Nazi communist whatever was evil in every part of their life if you remove their beliefs about the world out there you know about those damn people out there that we need to line up against the world those are not those are not slightly problematic beliefs. Those are serious shit that's like, okay, you ever, there's a real problem with you as a human being. Yeah. But if you remove that picture of the world out there and you just look at how maybe how they deal with their family or how they deal with their neighbors or their immediate world, some of these people, not all of them, clearly, some of them could be pleasant people, right? And that's where taking the more extreme example, like the yep. ultra hateful, terrible ideology. Even if you go more mellow, it gets even more complicated. Like the exceptions are even more. 
that's why I feel human beings are best served when uh, the closer the nose is to the grind in terms of their immediate world is like how you treat your family, how you treat your neighbors, how you treat your community. Yep. If they put the majority of their attention in that, if they are nice human beings, it would work. The problem is that when you start thinking about shit that you don't know these people, you have no contact, you have no idea how to, and you start judging people on like their skin color, their, oh my God, can you believe I have a transgender bathroom, or blah, blah. And you start getting riled up over shit that A, you don't know, B, you don't understand, C, you don't have any control on, and you start buying a playbook of ideology about those people. Suddenly, everything goes to hell. Yeah. And somebody who is the nice lady that she can be a pleasant human being suddenly start endorsing ideas and position. They are like, dude, how do you go from being a pleasant human being to this? Because there's a disconnect there. Well, and, and I'm here to report as it's moved forward. Oh, um, hotel. Pulled in front of her house the other day was a house with a, ten was a car with a Tennessee license plate on it. Right. I was like, Henderson, Tennessee? Who's who's driven from there? Yeah. Because I used to live in Hendersonville. Of course. I went to Middle Tennessee State. And she's like, oh, my God. I said, we're moving to Tennessee. And she was so excited about it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. There's lightning bugs there. And any place with lightning bugs can't be all bad. And she said, and they have walking sticks, too, which they clearly do. And I hadn't even thought about the fact I hadn't seen a walking stick in 15 right. years. And I was like. Well, I could never completely hate any person who loves walking sticks. And she didn't go into the, I need to leave California because it's a goddamn gay communist nope. place and nope. I hate them all. She didn't she say any of that. She was excited to get out of here. That's good. It, That's a win. it gave me hope on a level I haven't had for a long time because huh. the walls have been up so bad and I really think the last administration was so terrible. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's exactly what you just said. I mean... Oh, it's got to be the internet a big part of the problem, too. That you're having arguments with people you've never met, that's just a waste of time. I mean, that shit exponentially make this, this stuff grow. Yeah. But I really think yeah, the root problem, the internet weaponizes this stuff, right? It right. makes it so much bigger and blow it up to crazy levels. But I really think at the root problem, there's this need, uh, the human need for identity that if it's not channeled in a decent way, and it's hard to channel it in a decent way, because identity is by definition restrictive of your possibility of uh, choice, of choosing who you want to be and all of that. Look what the English Premier League has done to a country. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the, I think that's where, that's where a lot of the problems begin, because people are willing to trade a lot in the name of belonging to something. They are willing to trade uh, the way they think. They are willing to embrace a bunch of beliefs because, hey, at least this is part of my tribe. This is part of my people. This is what we believe. This is what we stand together on. And when you, that's why, and by the way, uh, I don't have the dates yet, but at some point in May or June, I should have a two three episodes of History on Fire that go out freely to all the platforms about Bruce Lee. Sweet. And to me, the biggest takeaway, I mean, there are many, but one of, probably the biggest takeaway that I have from Bruce Lee as his philosophy is how gango he went against identity and the idea of making an individual conform to a set, to a set belief, to a set series of beliefs, to... Again, he applied it to the martial arts, but the exact same argument could be made about religion, about politics, about million other things, about how 
this uh, whether it's a political ideology, whether it's a particular religion, whether it's a stupid martial art, it can be anything, but it, it becomes an excuse to make mold the individual to this abstract entity. And in the name of holding on to the party line, then you relate to other individuals, not as human beings, but as representatives of that other ideology. Terrible. And it all goes to hell from there. You know, I mean, again, I'm not, maybe some people can manage to make this embracing of an identity be a good thing. I cannot say that I haven't seen very many examples of that happening. So that to me is the thing why I love studying Bruce Lee's writing, even though, I mean, he said shit that many other people have said they are not, but the way they are expressed are so perfect because they hammer on this theme that, I don't know, you tell me, I have not seen too many people bring up to public consciousness this theme that the very idea of identity is problematic. No, no one does. And the reason Skynet sent a Terminator back to poison Bruce Lee was to silence him. That's because uh, identity is the... That actually makes me appreciate 10 times more some of the stuff that my dad would write. Because way back when, I remember probably 20 years ago, he had a whole thing about this identity of like getting rid of identity. And first I had no idea what he was talking about. And then the more I look into it, I'm like, oh, damn, this is a really important point right here. So... Identity must be most attached to ego. There's that, for sure. So I was just thinking, if you were going to get rid of it, what would that require? Because imagine a society where it didn't exist, where you could let your freak flag fly and it wouldn't bother anybody. That person's that, this person's this. It's not against my rules because my people won't allow that. It's impossible. I think that's why <laughs> I think that's why I love the Bruce Lee approach because he kind of breaks it down, right? He's telling you, look... As an individual, borrow from any source. Yep, which is Ultimately, see what works. You know, there's a problem you're trying to solve, whether it is becoming a better fighter, whether it is whatever that may be. You know, it doesn't even matter whether it's making the post office work fine or whether it's managing people or dealing with your kids or the garden. It's all the same shit. You have something you want to accomplish. There's a problem you want to accomplish. Look at what answers are out there in terms of what possible solutions are there to that problem. See the track record of those answers. Look at the evidence. Have those answers work for the majority of people or what are the downsides? Then try it out. You try the one that seems uh, most promising to you or maybe a mix or two or three that seem more promising and you find out the results. And oh, it kind of work, but there are missing pieces. Okay, how do we work? We keep the part of work. How do we work on the missing pieces? And the way there is no attachment to any playbook that somebody else has written uh, 500 years ago or is etching stone or something. It's purely reality gives you a feedback on what works and what doesn't. You take it in and you change accordingly and you listen to other people. You see what ideas they have. You try them out. No, this one is not working for me, but hey, this one did. It's pretty fucking simple in that sense. And you continue to, you continue to sort of progress over time. Absolutely. Those old things just aren't working so well anymore. What else is available? Exactly. Let's try some new stuff out. It's not ever all going to work. Which is why life speaks that language, right? Kids, a garden. 
hey, but I planted exactly this stuff with the same nutrients last year. Why is it not working this year? Oh, because <laughs> there's a new bug around that is changing things. Or because uh, the um, climate this time around took a different turn. And so, you, and so you have to adapt. And what work at one point doesn't assess. It's a good promise. It's a, there are decent chances that it's going to work, but it's not a guarantee. And so you have to constantly tweak it, right? I am my theories. What do you think is... Because, uh, you know, we are saying this thing about identity like it's obvious to everybody. Clearly, I don't think it is. And some people, I'm sure, are listening going like, what's the problem with identity? I'm a good uh, whatever the hell you're from. I'm proud to be this thing. Or I'm proud to have this skin color. Or I'm proud to be a member of such and such uh, church. Or I'm proud to... And people derive... A lot from that so the obvious thing would be when we say this shit is like what are you guys smoking what the hell are you talking about yeah. it's good there's nothing wrong with it why would you be spitting on the stuff that actually makes me feel good about life i think the actual danger is once your identity becomes who you are instead of this core of you mm -hmm. that's supposed to be still making decisions that all of a sudden you have this click on armor of I'm with the blue team and that's the way it's going to go and you don't even bother to think for yourself anymore the real danger begins and when it blossoms into something on a big level where the teams are lining up against each other and no one's going to bother to think anymore then you got big big troubles right because the the problem with identity is that it becomes dogmatic. Yes. It becomes something that you have to stick to what the group is uh, stands for and again, when you move beyond, first, individuals change all the time. So when you want to enforce the notion that a group stands for certain values, you're basically asking people not to change, not to introduce novelty, not to mix things up, not to... And never mind that you limit yourself to a specific sets of beliefs that work in some circumstances and don't work in other circumstances. So if your answer is, uh, we need to have government control of the resources every single time, Maybe government control of the resources works some of the time, and we should use it when it does, but then we really shouldn't the other 80% of the time when it doesn't. You know what I mean? So rather than being that hardcore about, oh, keyword that I love, every single time that method is going to work versus keyword that I hate, every single time is going to be terrible, just look at the evidence. On... But it takes a while to reach that point, too. I don't think you, you start out that way, especially like when you're a crazy teenager and you really are trying to figure out who you are. It's a shame that we sort of lose that. I guess we get crusty and fossilized as time goes on. And once you sort of get into a group, you get a little comfortable. Yeah, nope. Nothing worse than being comfortable because now you're really not thinking for yourselves anymore. I think I think something you and I have in common is that we're never I, I hate to use a Woody Allen quote but I'd never want to be a part of a group that would have me as a member <laughs> right is a great line and I've always kind of felt that way you know it's kind of neat for a moment but as soon as you're kind of stuck with one group it's like well what are they doing over there right and what's that all about and I don't know it just seems such a, a limiting thing that's why uh organized religion is never really uh in any way interest me I'd rather explore the possibilities and hear everybody's opinions and not really argue about it. Just get a report. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Well, that's crazy, but if it works for you. But to get in a fight about it because it's so right. etched oh, yeah. into your personality that you can't even have a conversation about something? 
I'm going to make you feel better about yourself. You know, you're saying about the Woody Allen quote. Yes. Turns out he must have taken it. It's actually originally was a Groucho Marx quote. Really? So you can feel better about yourself. I feel better already. Yes. So that was uh, old style comedy way, way back in the day. Oh, man. Groucho. The, um, Groucho, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. yeah I say Groucho. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I think part of the reason why is that on a psychological level, identity feels like a warm blanket. Because, um, you know, you mentioned ego earlier. I get it. I think you're right. I also think that maybe even more than an ego thing, or maybe it's related, maybe it's the ego is like an offshoot of this, is uh, come from fear and insecurity, which often is that where ego then fits. It. Yeah, because I feel that like, why would you want to wear these clothes so tight that they become you where you're like where does the need come from and to me it's like because life is fucking scary because it's unsettling because there's a lot of stuff that throw you off and you feel that unless you have something to hold on to all the time something that you can always fall back on on those sets of beliefs that are there for you constantly then you may be lost then you may be alone facing the unknown out there and that does not feel very good. And so in that sense, the, it becomes a source of pride, but really it's a source of security, in a sense. I've always wondered, uh, since I was an army brat, we moved a lot, and it offered a lot of chances to reinvent yourself mm -hmm. from what you learned last time. And I think a lot of people don't get that. And I think once you're locked in from, you know, if you... The idea of going to the same school in the same city with the same group, I mean, that just seems horrifying right, to me. Right, But I think the majority of folks, that's how it goes. Those people you went to kindergarten with, they're going to be graduating from high school for, for a sure. vast majority of folks. Sure. And in that sort of circumstance, A, where people remember everything that went crazy wrong with you in the second grade and always remind you of it, you're sort of in a trap. And that could also help blossom things where... That group you hung with back then, sure. unless there's a major upheaval, you're stuck with them. Yeah, and I think that's why, in fact, travel is such a kind of mind-expanding experience. It fix everything. Because you are forced to be in an environment where what was, what was working yesterday, the people you knew yesterday, don't mean anything in this context because you are in a new place. You are in a new environment. You yep. are in a new hanging with new people. So people sometimes change during travel because all their surroundings are changing. Now, of course, I say this stuff, and I'm actually, by nature, psychologically, I'm not the most embracing of change in the universe. I'm a lazy bastard. I like to stay at home. I like things not to change. Like, my mom wants to change, wants to move from wherever she's living. could be heaven, and she wants to move every two years. She's like, okay, I'm done. I want to go. I have the opposite. I'm like, get me to the place where I go to the same store every time. And I like it. You know, there's a part of me that I, despite of that philosophically I get it, that embracing change is good, there's a part that I find comfort in. However, while I don't think it's wise to do violence to your nat natural psychological tendencies, at the same time, I think it's important not to be, not to do that with beliefs. Because those seem to go in a, like when that happens, it seems to be, historically speaking, bad things seem to follow, you know? And that's why you can have people who are perfectly nice people in one context, 
who embrace beliefs and ideologies. They are like, how in the world could that happen? And it's not just an explanation of, oh, everybody else, you know, if you didn't jump on board, they put a gun to your head or, you know, you got... It, it's a choice that sometimes that people make and they don't see a contradiction between their sweetness in one contest and their absolute hatefulness in another. And I'm just like, that's the danger right there, that people who can be good people can be hijacked into something. And that's the power of ideology to me, where it becomes a dangerous business, to say the least. What has a th stronger control over people than that? I don't think anything. No. Because it comes from inside, you know, you choose to be that thing. It does deliver a little bit of dopamine hits where if you feel good because you feel like you're part of something, you feel good because when you run into difficult times in your life, you had some beliefs to fall back on, you know, it, it makes you feel good. So obviously you don't want to give up something that makes you feel good. And in fact, the, when you asked the question earlier of how do we get rid of this stuff, I think that's the key. It's like you cannot just say get rid of identity and not offer anything that is as appealing and actually has more to it afterwards. Because otherwise, of course, why would people give up something that at least partially make them feel good? It's kind of like if you're giving up an addiction, yeah. there's a reason why people keep doing that thing. Because a little bit, it feels good. You know what I mean? It hits all the right spot of pleasure for a while yeah. before it then fucks you up more. So the question is, what else can we give you that makes you feel good, but it doesn't damage you in the long run? And do we have anything that can supply that in this current world? And that's where, to me, the Bruce Lee thing is fantastic yeah. because that's a concrete example. It's not a philosophical theory about, like, which is kind of murky and like, oh, what are you exactly saying? How does that work? You see an extremely specific example applied to something physical like martial arts, and you see how he made it work fantastically. You see it, how it applied to other aspects of his life and, uh, and was great. So that to me is something that I'm like, okay, how do we take those ideas and make them say, I mean, you're talking Bruce Lee, you're talking about something cool. If you want to be on board with something, yeah. be on board with Bruce Lee. That seems like, <laughs> a good, like, that seems like a good way to go. And so it's not that there are no examples, it's that I think the examples are few and the spotlight should be shined on them to remind people that, hey, this is how it can be done. And again, it can be done in anything from how you raise your kids to how you garden to how you rule a nation. Because, I mean, think about the whole bullshit discussion you hear about ultra-capitalist versus 100% communist, right? And then you look at Northern European countries. What are those ones? Are they socialist? Uh, in some parts, sure. Yeah. In other parts, no. There's still a free market system. That's, Ikea is still doing fine. Right. They're st they are still capitalist society, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like a mix of things. It's like, wait, a mix? I'm confused. In my black and white world, you are either Stalin or you are uh, Ayn Rand. Do, do you say the fucking lady's name? Ayn Rand? No. The, uh, oh, Ayn Rand? Ayn Rand, yeah. On steroids, right? And it's like... No, that's not reality. You know, reality, actually where reality is interesting is more complicated than that. And you're actually mixing things that most people don't put together. Yeah. That's I mean, what you've got, corp is you've about. got corporations with slightly socialist tendencies where they see we're feeding the uh -huh. good of the public may be better than having all the money in the world. It's kind of a great idea. And that's 
yin yang right there, yeah. right? It's like, I'm going to take the best of this system. I'm going to take the best of this system. I'm going to mix it and I'm going to... It's going to be a work to figure out the exact proportions. And you'll maybe, never get it perfect. Maybe 50-50 sucks. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's 80-20. Maybe it's no. It's 90-10 the other way. Maybe but there's going to be a mix. And then rather than arguing about uh, bullshit abstract philosophies that have no parallel in reality, let's not even argue. Let's look at the evidence and tweak the balance to go, you know what? That 70-30 seemed to be a little off. Why don't we try 65 35. Oh, actually, I was thinking we needed 75, 25. Well, let's try it. Pretty fucking easy. We go 5% over one way first. We see how that works. And if you're, that, you're still unsatisfied, we'll go 10% the other route. I'm in. Right? It seems pretty straightforward. And yeah, because I think identity delivers so much psychologically. And again, we say identity, but really the close cousin of identity is dogma. That's where those problems kick in, you know, that's why, that's why I never get tired of talking about this stuff. You know, you guys have heard us dancing around this topic multiple times because honestly, A is extremely relevant to Taoism, which is interesting in itself. And B is one of the things that there aren't exactly too many great models out there of people making it work. So I think throwing it out there until something click with somebody that make it go like, you know what, I get it, I'm going to apply it, let's see if I can turn it into a good example. I think that's a good way to go. No, and see, I think we're in a crisis mode right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the walls are up, things are grinding to a halt. Yep. Watching people argue about, did you see Fauci versus um, Jim Jordan today? I didn't. Madness. Yeah. Madness. Mr. Fauci... When will we be able, when will we get our liberties back? Right. Literally. Right. What the actual fuck, man? This yeah. tool just up there, just yip yapping away. Yeah. I mean, just to make noise. Already in the way that, because think about it. There's, so let's break that down, right? Yeah. When are we going to get our liberties back? Yeah. So there's something there. That I think we can all sympathize. It's like, hey, we would like to have our life pre-corona back where we had, uh, we could go visit friends, no problem. We could train at the gym. We could go out to the restaurant. That's that's legitimate. Sure. But once you phrase that very legitimate thing, which I think, I don't think there's a person on earth who's not feeling that, who doesn't want that. You know, we all want that stuff. Once you phrase it in... Uh, when are we gonna get our liberties back that you tyrants took away? Yeah. Suddenly you turn it into an ideological argument. So you took a very legitimate, hey, you know, what do you, what's your take? Uh, what are you expecting to be in the next few months, in the next? Uh, when do you think we can uh, get some of the lives we had before back? What do you think are gonna be the limitations? That's a fair discussion, yeah. right? And it's not a hostile one. Nope. Suddenly it's a super hostile, super ideological, and is as paladins of freedom versus you evil tyrants. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that has nothing to do with reality. You know, reality is way more complicated than that. It's not helping anybody. No. It's only making it worse. And it's grandstanding for no reason other than to self-aggrandize himself. Well, and it's because my guys who go by the talking points of our political identities are going to hear the words and clap saying, good job, you stood up against the tyrants. And then the other one is going to say something that's equally a non-constructive in terms of finding a solution, but that's course point with, you know, preaching to the choir kind of thing. 
And so all that dialogue does not take place to actually come up to a, with a solution. It does no. not take place in terms of, hey, let's figure out what's the best path forward. It only is done purely so that the guys behind you can clap and say, you are a present as well. Good job. That's the crisis. That's the crisis right there. The fact that we don't spend our time figuring out how to make everybody's life a little better. Yeah. What if we just did that for a year? It wouldn't mean any more tanks. I'm sorry about that. Speaking of which, yes. I'm going to throw a couple of things at you in terms of precisely that, on making everybody's lives a tiny little better. Yes. Unless you wanted to go more into the our previews. No, we just, okay. We're fine. So a couple of things I was thinking about. Very small steps, right? Yes. So one, I'm about to, I was exchanging messages with um, a listener. She's from Canada. She's, uh, interesting enough, I was telling her I was thinking of writing a novel about, like, because that's, you know, unfortunately I have, like, way more ideas than I have time. So I have notes for, like, that's novels or novels that are right sitting there. there. And I'm like, I had that for, like, 15 years. One of them, so novel number two or three, once I'll get out of Caravaggio and I'll, there's a story, it's very much Last of the Mohicans in terms of setting, you know, mid-1700s, French and Fur Media War. And Absolutely. Yeah. And it revolves on the story of three, three siblings who are um, part Ojibwa and part Italian. Italian from the fur trade, you know, mostly were French, but there were a few other Europeans along with the French. Sure. And uh, Ojibwa. And uh, she was telling me, oh, no way, I'm actually half Italian and half Ojibwa. And I was like, what? You got to be kidding me. That's like not exactly the most common mix on the planet. So that was. <laughs> but in any case, in the process of chit chatting, uh, we're talking about something that I told her because if I didn't, I'm going to push this for another three years and I'll never do it. So maybe I'll have accountability if I tell somebody else and they jump on board with me on it. But. It may be time for me to do my uh, cleanup that I've done, that I think I've done it three times so far. The cleanup involves in this. So check this out if you guys think it may be helpful to your life or not. I got to tell you, I've done it three times. Every single time I've done it, it does help health-wise. It does help in a bunch of ways. Of course, the process is less than fun, at least initially, just to get it overweight in terms of I'm gonna dive into the cold pool let's see what's up so the cleanup works like this and I'm going by memory so there are a few things I'm gonna forget but roughly involves 40 day period in which you're gonna do no alcohol the drunken party the drunken Taoist is gonna be very sad so there's <laughs> zero alcohol no sugar other than fruit or raw honey so if you need your sugar fix, raw honey and fruit are the only way to go. Uh, no pasta. Ah, Jesus Christ, that hurts. Um, I think it's also no rice that goes with it, but I think I cheated a couple of times with rice, but basically limit dramatically in that direction. Where's bread to, fit into that? And no bread and related products. So no cake, uh, muffin, donut, any of that, none of that stuff. So that's for 40 days. If you really want to be hardcore, and the hardcore part worked for me, really did not work for Savannah. In the middle of it, there are a couple of weeks that I went straight up vegan. And uh, my body was responding well to it. Savannah's body was just hating it with a passion. She She's was full seeing, carnivore. Yeah, she was seeing double pretty. I mean, also she was working out way more than me, so she needs more protein, right? But in any case, at minimum, 
the processes, 40 days of the stuff I described. There are at some point, and I'm going to dig up the info for people who are interested. There is, uh, you're going to take uh, probiotics. You're going to be two weeks in the middle of it. I think, if I remember correctly, is day 20 to 35 or 25 to 4, something like that. You do, uh, you drink this potion. Uh-oh. Is it a cleanse time? Nastiest thing known to humankind. It's uh, it designed to kill parasites in case you picked up anything from eating out and doing things. I know along the way I discovered in my keto days that you can make a pretty great pizza crust with cheese and eggs. No, and in fact, I think that's going to be a key. I'm going to get back exactly to what you said because it makes it's a key element to making it work. Yeah. Um, the potion thing that you took, oh my God, this thing is nasty. So you put a little bit of water. I put minimal amount because that thing tastes so nasty that I'd rather take it in Dance. undiluted dance in one <laughs> shot right there than uh, diluting it and uh, half tasting it for longer. It involves one teaspoon of uh, organic turmeric, uh, half a teaspoon of uh, organic ground cloves. God, I hate them. Wow. The cloves are nasty. Uh, if you can take garlic, you put a little bit of garlic. I don't do so well with garlic, so I don't. Two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and one teaspoon of raw honey, which doesn't sound so bad, except that the... Turmeric ain't messing around to begin with. The cloves, Everything I think, turned are orange. The, yeah, it's just nasty. And I, even apple cider vinegar, I like it, but of course when it's mixed with cloves, and it, it just turns. In any case, this thing is nasty as hell. Have so, you ever heard of fire cider? And you, oh, and you do that from days 11 through 25. Oh, That's God. when, so the first day, 10 days, you're just doing the diet. 11 through 25, the diet plus this. And then you go back to the last two weeks without this stuff. The, sorry, you were saying fire cider? Yeah. What's that? It's like horseradish and jalapenos and all this oh, no. wild collection. I'm missing out on stewed that. Up. Well, I'll bring you some next time. I know somebody that serves up these country potions. I am scared. But uh, she swears by it. The same sort of concept that it cooks out any right, whatever nasty you got. So that's the gig, right? Uh, you take a few supplements, not that much. You take like uh, at some point in there, and again, for people who are interested, I'm gonna try to dig it up more precisely. At some point, you'll take olive leaf extract, probiotics, ideally. Um, there are a couple of other things that you can do, but that's. In a nutshell, that's the base, right? Any dangerous digestive issues with this? No, I mean, the key thing is... You're not going to need to keep a bucket by you for... No, no, you actually feel... feels great. Physically, you don't feel bad at all. feels great in many ways. But of course, you're dealing with a lot of cravings of stuff that you're giving up. They are like, I'm used to hitting that sugar. I need my sugar in the afternoon or I need mm. my thing. And, so the key is not just, because all we have done now is list the stuff that you don't eat. The important part is what do you substitute it with? Because, yeah. you know, if all you do is not eat this stuff, you spend 40 days staring at the wall, hating your life. I you can't know? wait till I can have some rice again. Yeah. The key is what can you eat that tastes good, that feels good, that allow you to go through these 40 days without hating your life? And to me... And again, I, I need to actually get Savannah on board on this because she would just cook some fantastic stuff in massive amounts, by the way, and you still lose weight anyway. Yeah. And they are, and they were, they tasted fantastic. These, 
but like couple of things that work for me to, for example, the carbs, you know, you love those carbs that fill you up, that give you an alternative that I love a lot is quinoa that you can cook in a bunch of ways to make it good. Um, sweet potatoes, they hit the spot. They are kind of a carb, but they are like one of the, the only probably approved thing in there that can make the cut. Well, you know, a real potato snuck in with them sweet potatoes. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, sweet potatoes are fantastic in themselves. Yeah, like you can make... So that stuff fills you up. You know, quinoa and sweet potatoes give you that, like you don't eat just salad all the time. They are like, okay, I'm hungry. I want more. No, you eat sweet potatoes and quinoa, it fills you. But salad, the, the, the leafy things are good for that too, though. Like Absolutely. between Swiss chard and cabbage, yep. especially if you can have some bacon grease on there. You can put uh, walnuts or if you hate walnuts, um, sunflower seeds or things like that. That, that almonds, things that fill you up in that fashion. And for my major sugar cravings, the one thing that saved my life, and also in terms of substance, Greek yogurt, uh, none of the non-fat shit, actually the, the fat is the good part of the yogurt. Right. So the full, but the whole thing. But you can't have the, the sweet uh, strawberry goo on it, no, I'm guessing. No, it's just plain Greek yogurt mixed with raw honey. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, it's not my chocolate cake, but it still hits the spot. You know what I mean? It's like, if I have to go 40 days through it, it's like, I can do that. And uh, Emily's been vegetarian for 15 years now. And Napa cabbage is that kind of one that oh, yeah. looks kind of like bok choy a bit. Yeah. Man, you slice that up and put garlic and ginger on the bottom of it and get that aroma up and then steam it and a little bit of uh, soy sauce. And then a little bit of that rooster sauce to fire it up. Couple of couldn't be any better. Last, Nothing could be better. Last night's dinner. That sounds fantastic, by the way. Last night's dinner and two nights dinner are, would work perfectly for it. Last night I had uh, caprese salad, so fresh basil, tomatoes, mm. mozzarella. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that worked out. That's always good. Um, and of course. You know, 40 days does not mean, like, stuff yourself with blocks of cheese every day. You know, you want to keep it within There'll be issues moderation. with that, that especially with your so, mystery goo. So a little bit of cheese, <laughs> but, you know, without going crazy. The, um, the other one that... Uh, this is actually one of my comfort food more than anything else, and it's it's actually healthy comfort food. I grab an eggplant, slice it up fairly thin, grill it with nothing, no oil, no nothing, just grill it. Yeah. I make this little mix that's uh, olive oil, uh, lemon juice, uh, what do I throw in there? A little bit of fresh basil, chop it up in little pieces, and uh, some um, chili flakes to give it some spice. Mix that up, put it on top of the eggplant. That's it. That's my dinner. Zucchini would work well like that too. Absolutely. For some reason, I like zucchini. For some reason, the eggplant just, I don't know, I can eat just that the whole night. I have like a whole eggplant or even two by myself and I'm so happy and it stuffs me and uh, now and in 40 days you can have that eggplant fried covered in cheese and meat sauce you know that's the thing I don't even with the eggplant stuff like that I don't even feel the need to go hard the only thing that I do feel the need for you know what it is when I have it red wine yeah Mm. red wine goes so well with it so of course not during the 40 days do you have any eggplants out there you know, I tried growing them. 
limited success, you know, rather than getting the big giant eggplants that you can cook, I was getting like half a fist size. I'm like, okay, well, that's sweet for two bites, but that's not exactly delivering. We'll find a sunnier spot right there by that tree. Would okay, be we'll try that. <laughs> so speaking of the whole, how the hell do we end up here? Because uh, Rich said, little things to make life better. Now, this is not exactly an ideological thing. This is an extremely practical cleanup from I love to eat a bunch of things that are less than ideal for your health. Once in a while, doing a big cleanup, like I've not, I've done it every time where I look at like my blood work, you see all your cholesterol numbers drop dramatically, all the shit that they tell you, ah, you want to try to make sure to keep that in check. They tend to all get better when I do this. So I'm like, you know what, maybe once a year or every year and a half doing something like this is not going to kill me. This is actually good for me. I thought you were going to get a dumpster and go through the house and get all that clutter out. Right. That's, just, you... <laughs> that, that's a good policy too, right? Yeah. To just... Uh, sometimes it's got to go. Sometimes it's got to go. Absolutely. So that's one of them. The let's clean up the diet game. The other one, if I may throw one out there. Please. And, you know, on the let's clean up the diet, if we, if I actually find the balls to stick to the decision and actually make it happen in the next few days or weeks, or I need to give myself a deadline or something, but, like, try to start a 40-day process, uh, then I'm going to try to, at some point, we throw out there recipes and ideas, again, not to hate your life during the 40 days, but with stuff that you like. Oh, yeah. But uh, the other thing, in terms of small things that make life better, we have talked about it before. The man in front of me will be starting a podcast on this topic, gardening. Now, granted, gardening, the first obvious objection is, I have no fucking garden. I have no space. I don't have... Uh, if that's the case, clearly that limits what you can do, but it doesn't eliminate possibilities. No. You know, there are things that you can do. I mean... Start with something that's as basic as it gets. Um, rosemary and oregano. Yep. You have to work hard at killing those plants. They tend to be pretty hardy. Unlike other plants that you have to replant every year, they, they are perennial. They last forever unless you actively try to kill them. We had a basil plant that was the size of a giant uh, tumbleweed. But basil, which is fantastic. And that wind, right? that 80-mile-an-hour wind, we had ripped it out of the ground. Yeah, dick. That's not fun. That's okay. I took the root ball, I cut it all back, Went I put back it in the ground, a... and bloop. Basil, though, I find it hard for it to last. Like, have you had good success keeping it from one year to the next? Yeah, or... but we have exceptional okay. weather here. So that's because, you you know, if you have a rich ring, green thumb, then you can pull it off. But No, I meant this, this three growing seasons that we have. No, that helps. But, I mean, even here with basil, I... I get it great during a one season, but then I struggle to keep it for the next one. But oregano and rosemary. You rosemary will grow forever. They are stuff that you throw in the kitchen and it's so much makes some bland food taste so much better with it. Yep. And they are hard to kill. You don't need that much space. You can put it on, if you have a window that catches a bunch of sun, you can put it in a pot, put it out there, and yeah. you're good to go. So even 
okay, you cannot have like a 30 raised bed giant garden farm kind of thing. You can start with one plant that give you some herbs that you use in the kitchen that you get to eat. You know where it grew, you, you sow it every day and it adds something. And, and that shit is expensive, by the way. Try buying oregano at the store. Yep. That stuff is insane how expensive it is. You know, most of the herbs are really high priced. Well, it's all expensive compared to what it actually cost them. Like, totally. I did see red bell peppers for 38 cents the other day, which I had nice. never seen that before. But like one good bell pepper has 250 seeds in it. Right. So you take the time to dry them out and then grow them. We're going all in on the bell peppers this year because we use so many. We probably use four or six a week. Right. So we put 12 of them out. Oh, wow. You're going hardcore. It's going crazy this year. Uh, The zucchini is up on that level, too. There's a dozen zucchinis. Peppers we're all in on. Um, And that's one of the advantages that Rich and I are not in LA. Like, we are not in the big cities. We are close enough to an urban area that is within striking distance, but of course you have more space when you live in a place that's not in the middle of a concrete jungle. Yeah. If you are in the middle of a concrete jungle, really starting with one plant on a window that catches a bunch of sun is the way to go. And then, you know, if you like it, there are things that you can do indoor. There are like three gazillion systems that I've seen to try to make it happen indoor where yep. you can grow stuff, even in decent amounts. But that's way out of my area of expertise. Rich may know more than I do in that regard. Well, I was just thinking, you know, another thing that's really nice, chives or green onions or something like that. Sure. There's just something about There's just something about going out and, my God, 70% of what we ate tonight, we grew. Right. That, that, there's something great about that. And again, if you can't have 70%. No, but if you can have that basil and some of those green onions, and I grew these, and I put it on my salad, and you can taste it. Fantastic. It feels fantastic. And no, I can't encourage people enough. Uh, It definitely pulls the weight off of a a day away from work. That's for sure. That's all I did yesterday. Was plant and plant clear stuff. out, and right. it's funny. Um, I was gonna tell you earlier, but the 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 chard has pretty much taken a corner of its own, mm-hmm. and it's just putting out now. I just planted some Swiss chard this morning. I um the the taproot for that giant one yeah. was bigger than my arm. Yeah, I buy. It was amazing how big that thing. So I just dug it a little deeper. Poured some nice fresh dirt on it, and that thing is going to do nothing but crank out chard all summer long. And it's from last year. It made it through the winter. Speaking of accountability, I'm going to poke you on the what's up with our podcast. I want Strobel Nation podcast. Where's your gardening podcast? When is it happening? Episode episode three of the Strawbell Nation uh, videos will be on social distance net in a couple days as soon as we can work out a day because we've done episode one. Are you putting them on YouTube too or no? Not yet. I want to get them all together and we'll put them all up at once. But right now we go to social distance net and it's there. Strawbell Nation. Sweet. So the first one is just about the strawbells and their uh, getting the the nitrogen into them. And then episode two is all about the second week where you get the organic fertilizer into them and we took a little tour and this week it's planting like Sweet. i planted four of the six of them but i'm going to go um uh juliet child style so i could show you how it's done and then i can nice. show you and here this one's coming out of the oven i love but that. they're up and running and, and cooking and my pal will genius on so many levels um 
even when they're really kind of soaked and ready to be torn into, mm -hmm. I ripped fingernails off the first couple of years just trying to get that straw out of there because yep. it's still dense and pretty wrapped together. And this genius was like, well, why didn't you take a drill bit that's made to uh, drill doorknob holes? Right. And man, what took me six hours took me 90 minutes the other day. That technology. That sounds fantastic, and also a good advice when if you are gonna garden, a good investment is a pair of gardening gloves. Oh yeah. Because yeah, fingers, nails, stuff. They're all gets, wrecked. They're all permanently yeah. full of dirt. So gloves are not a bad way to go in that regard. I would give an exact day if I had control of my schedule, which I simply do not right now. I like that though. I like the idea that it's again. It was purely the same way as uh, I'll need. Uh, because I'm waiting for the Caravaggio book so bad. Yeah, I can't exactly. Stand. There's that. There's a uh, me about the, Caravaggio. And the 500 other about things the, I should have been doing all Totally. Or even get the damn cleans that I just announced done. Make it happen, you know. So I get it. I get it. I'm not picking on you, definitely. It's I've been purely... paying for Babel for five years, and my Spanish is no better. Yeah, so, no, I mean, I... There's so many things. I should have yep. I should have done it every day of the pandemic, and I would have been, you know, beyond... Donde está los baños muy importante, right. which is like my whole collection right now. It needs to pick up. Yeah, that's actually one thing it's I've been struggling with Isabella, that uh, she understands a lot of Italian, but God damn, it's hard to actually teach her to speak. And just the discipline that it requires to constantly talk to her in Italian, when she starts in English to ask her, hey, can we try in Italian? Which words do you know? Let me help you with it. It's hard work, man. So... Can you like get DVDs of movies? Is that do they I do? Yes, I can. Are they more subtitled? But than she understands stuff fairly decently. It's mainly speaking that's hard. So I just need to ever anytime she speaks, try to ever speak in Italian. And when she can't, okay, speak in English. And now I'm gonna tell you how to say it. And now we repeat it together. And now you try to remember at least some word from this. That next time you have to say the same kind of thing, you rem maybe you remember. It's hard though. It's tough, especially we're not exactly where there's a lot of opportunity to use that. Spanish, no. there's no excuse. Spanish is easy. Yeah. Out here is. Um, but one thing before, while we're still on the gardening topic that yes. I should mention, I need to give a shout out. And maybe, you know what? Maybe we should have him, uh, if we figure out a way to record decently, uh, we should have him on the podcast as a guest. There's a guy who was a listener of ours who asked me way back when, like it was uh, maybe two years ago, three years ago, Peter, Peter, I have no idea how to pronounce your last name, Yongjun, I'm guessing. No idea, sorry, Peter. He was uh, doing a GoFundMe for this idea of creating these um, kind of boxes for composting, for gardening, because he was like, you know, there's so much stuff that we throw away, you know, all sort of kitchen scraps, all sort of cardboard when you get packages and stuff. Yep that if uh, nobody wants to compost because it's a pain in the ass, you know, if you start a compost pile in a corner, you're going to have rats all around and you're going to have it stinks and all of that. So he was like, how can I create something that will allow people to compost with no smells without having to deal with rodents or things like that, where all the major objection to composting are out? Um, and so he was creating this thing that he called a subpod. That's um, basically this box set up with uh, blankets for the worms. You put the soil, you throw in the scraps, all of that. And he had asked me at the time to kind of retweet his, um, 
his GoFundMe. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds like a cool idea. I was animated by good reasons in terms of eliminating waste and being better environmental. I'm like, of course, sounds great. And then he reached out recently and he actually made it happen. He said he has this uh, website called subpod.com. Nice. That's S-U-B, P as in Paul, O-D as in Daniele, dot com. And, um, and it's fantastic, man. He sent me one. I just set it up this morning. Now I'm in the market for uh, composting worms to get, to throw in there. But like, it's awesome. Like, I can't wait to... Uh, I planted the Swiss chard right around it. I have this big box ready for composting. And now a bunch of stuff that used to go in the trash is actually going to go into making some fantastic soil for more gardening. It's great. It's nothing like... It's nothing like rebirthing the soil on your property because ours was terrible sand, you know, yeah. pretty close to the ocean. It was basically sand and that clay totally. that collected in the delta over time. And now it's alive. Yep. I don't know. You probably haven't noticed yet, but it's going to start. You already have a good amount of birds. But when it comes to birds, we've got hummingbirds like crazy yep. now that used to be there. We're almost like a, a just think of every fifth house were to do what we were doing. Yep. First of all, fresh soil pulls carbon out of the atmosphere. Totally. That's why it's black. And oh, forget every lawn. Why is not every lawn full of carrots and tomatoes? Yep. I just uh, got rid of the entire everything that was in the front. I was so and, pleased um, with that today. You must love it. Did you have to dig the grass up or will the mulch do the work? No, we put uh, we that put this that fabric. fabric on top yep. and then a mulch and then a bunch of fruit trees, which in a year or two or three, are actually going to give me fruit in the, up in the front. So I'm excited about that. We went a step beyond that at my mom's house. Then we put uh, river stones mm -hmm. over top of it. Nice. So you could actually make a very cool... We made it look like a dried riverbed when it was done. That's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So And no more water in the grass. There's something, man, to whatever your circumstances are. If you have a gigantic sprawling backyard, good for you. There's a lot you can do with it. If you have a tiny apartment in the city, put one damn plant on the windowsill. Or as we'll show you, one if you have a south-facing balcony, you can put one straw bale up there, and you can easily put five tomato plants. Yep. And then on the sides of it, you can put all those herbs we were talking about. Yep. And that by itself, I don't know. It, it pleases me to no end. I love to be out planting them watermelons, cantaloupes, poblanos, yep. jalapenos, bell peppers, cayenne peppers. I mean, it's all in the ground. We're doing onions this year. I got I, I looked up your thing about the potatoes. Yep. And I just happened to have like an entire kind of two cubic feet of straw. That is just like they showed, and we're building a little box. We're going to do a potato box. I'm actually going to require your expertise because I just ran out of, um, how do you call those things? The um, raised beds? Yeah, yeah. So you told me how for relatively little money you were able to build them perfectly. Yep. I'll have to one day, I would love to pick your brain if you can show me how to do it. I have the blueprints with me. Perfect. So, because <laughs> I need to, because I want to, I want to put a few for potatoes, because I eat potatoes. I like potatoes, so yeah, I want fantastic. them in my. You won't garden. be having any for forty days, though. I can live with uh, well. So about day one twenty, though. No, I can plant sweet potatoes. Uh, that then too. I can have those. So then, if actually, that's I think what I'm gonna plant primarily are gonna be sweet potatoes. So. But yeah, man, I like that stuff. You know, these are things like eating good food that grows in your yard that you have been taking care of. That helps you the quality of your life by at least a little bit. 
Uh, maybe even more than a little. Maybe more than a little. I'm just saying yep. bare minimum. At bare minimum, if it's 2% better, that's a grand improvement. That's a humongous improvement. Cleaning up your diet, even if it's only for 40 days, where you you at least do a big cleanup that resets you a bit. And now you just turned yourself two months of eating less than ideally. You know, you can still, and maybe during those 40 days, you learn something. And I'm like, you know what? I really like those two things that actually happen to be really healthy. I'm going to eat a little more of that. So while I bring back some of the stuff that I like that's less healthy, I'm going to give a few more meals through the week to the stuff that uh, turns out I enjoy and it is healthy. It's amazing how much stir fry we turn to now that we never went back. Right. We're doing chicken thighs with cabbage, zucchini, mushrooms. That's not a bad way diet. to go. It's great. And no rice. It's funny. For some reason, I was like, well, you can't have stir fry without a big old huge bunch of rice right. in it. Yeah, you can. Rice, though, man, I love rice. I do love it, too. I, That's the hardest one. It's even worse than the pasta and potatoes, which I also love. But, man, do I love that rice. There are, you know what, just for the fuck of it, not because I don't think, you know, of anything of creating a channel. Or I think I'm going to start putting on YouTube, like, some of the stuff that I, we cook once in a while because it's like it gives somebody an idea. There are a couple, man, not? that are rice-based that, like, I make a heavenly risotto with saffron and uh, ma saffron. and porcini mushrooms and the other one that i make uh doesn't take me much just really make some rice and i'm ready to go with stuff i buy really and, and i cook some eggs that's it i make this rice salad with 10 million ingredients that i make this giant amount that lasts for lunch and dinner for me and these for the next day nice takes me half hour to do at most and it cooks uh, lunch and dinner for the following day so i'm yeah i was trying to think if it would break any rule i make an antipasta salad that's more salami and pepperoni and olives and onions right and peppers i think all that's good there's no uh and a little bit of cheese right so that's not a bad yes. gig and then put on a big old bed of lettuce yep yep oh yep. my god well now, now i'm hungry Throw in a couple of things about little tiny things you can do to not get involved in ideological debate that just poison your souls, but instead doing shit that improve the quality of your life. And don't be, don't be afraid to reach out to the others. They, they may have been the bad guys for a while, but we got to get beyond that or we're never going to move forward. And I was just shocked of how cordoned off I had made myself just to a silly piece of cloth flying around. right. That can't be the case. No, that be... And it's I'm, possible, like you said, there are the worst of the worst, and you're not going to be able to do anything about that, no. but most people aren't. Most of us are in the middle just trying to make it. And that's the thing, that it's important to... I think the more you bring back people from rather than spending their time and energy thinking about ideological bullshit that ends up being poisoned, the more you bring them back to, hey, uh, what about growing the garden? What about this? And stuff that just makes them be nicer to their kids, be nicer to their family, make them feel better about themselves. That's never a bad idea. You know what I mean? So I'm like, why not try that route? That's, uh, that's a lot better than the alternative. So... Let me see. I had a thing that I wanted. Uh, I had a. I rarely. I don't use Instagram much, but I used this post when I planted uh, the raised beds last year. That I think it captured exactly where we're going with this. You know, one liner. It says, "The tomatoes in the garden interest me more than any ideology." 
And I think that's where it's at, right? Is um, but before wow. we wrap, what I if the gardens did save everything? Yeah, right. It just makes perfect sense. Before we wrap, I have a creepy story for you. Oh, good. I was waiting for a creepy story. That somebody told me yesterday, and I was like, holy shit. This involves a place where I used to live, where Isabella was born, actually. But I'm beginning to think that other than Isabella's birth, that place may have been cursed. Because, well, here is the story of some of the people who lived, uh, I don't know the people in between, but some people who lived there for the last couple of years. Because the people who bought that place were friends. So I still know, like, they own that place and they rent it. And then, uh, so I know what's Were you happening. renting from then or did they buy it after you left? I, we had bought it. And then when uh, my wife died, I had no money to pay for it. So I was kind of going broke. It was either going complete bankruptcy or just put it up for a short sale. Yeah. We did a short sale and they were able to buy it on short sale. So my credit was less fucked up than it would have been. And they ended up with a good house and all of that, right? So it worked out for everybody. A creepy good house. Well, yes, that is the issue. So I was asking, I talked to this guy yesterday, a friend of mine owns the place. And I was like, so what's happening with my old house? And he was like, oh, do I have a story for you? I'm like, oh, tell me. He said, well, back in, there's this family that lived there for the last two and a half years, mother, father, two teenagers. And, um, you know, always nice. Uh, the teenagers are a little like play video games all day. We got a couple of noise complaints, but overall, very nice people. But in December or so, I got a message from uh, the lady of the house, the wife, who says, uh, I'm getting a divorce. I'm moving to a different state. They are going to go somewhere else. Um, so basically, we're going to vacate the property. It goes back to you. Deal with it. And then when they try to reach back to her, she never replied anymore. When they try to reach to the husband, he never replied. And so they were like, OK, I guess we're going to go there and just you know, see what state is the house is in, and we go from there. My They're, imagination's running wild at this point. Oh, man, it gets so much worse. So they knock on the door. There's no answer, so clearly they vacated. They open, and everything is still in it. And I don't mean just they left furniture, which occasionally people who are in desperate situation, they move quickly, they don't bother. I ain't moving that heavy-ass couch. No, there are <laughs> laptops, there are guitars, there are, you know, items that nobody leaves behind, you know. There are dishes, dirty dishes in the sink, there's food in the refrigerator. It looks like they are still living there, except that the light is gone. The electricity clearly hasn't been paid in a while, so there's no more electricity in there, right? And they are like... Uh, Maybe they still live here. So they leave a note, right? They say, hey, you know, we came by. We thought you were gone, but please reach out. Let me know. Uh, they don't hear anything. They come back a week later. They go in the house. The note is still there. Nothing has been touched. Food is spoiling. Everything It's done. And they're like, okay. And so they start making the calls like, hey, there's all your stuff here, your computers, your this, your that. Come get it. Here it goes. Now, they went upstairs to make sure their bodies weren't in the bed, right? I mean, that house, speaking of places where you can't grow shit, there is nowhere to bury the bodies. So there's that. But had there been a yard, I would have started digging around because nobody ever reached back out. Wow. They never got back to them. And again, who leaves a house with three laptops in it? 
Well, I mean, With your... they were having difficulties, so one of them clearly whacked the other one and then buried him in the desert, and he lives in Mexico now. That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. Where I'm just like, something doesn't sound right. Nobody's about going to leave their prize guitar. No. No. That might be the one thing you take. Because, again, furniture, I get it. Yep. Furniture, I wouldn't be surprised. But nope. items that are worth a lot of money, and they are small, so you grab them and go, right? It's no big deal. Yep. Nobody leaves that behind. So, in fact, I was like, dude, where you? did you look at the crawl space? And uh, he was like, ha, ha. I was like, no, I'm serious. Did you look at the crawl? And he was like, oh, no, I didn't. I'm like, uh, <laughs> think about it. Because <laughs> this looks sound. Yeah, I thought you were going to say there's a gnarly smell when they open the door. No, there's none of that. No, there is a gnarly smell because I guess they were chain smokers, so the whole oh. place smelled like... You never get that took out. took months to start getting the the smell out, but I'm like... In fact, I texted him this morning because I thought about it. I was like, wait, there's something... Have you ever actually... I mean, I don't want to be paranoid, but I actually ever <laughs> talked to the police or something because it looks a little strange and... I didn't hear back, so I'll see what the deal is. But yeah, basically, it's so a mystery. So we're cliffhung. Yeah, we're completely cliffhung. There is no answer. But I was like, oh, my sweet former house. What the hell happened in there? Wow. Well, your writing assignment for the next two weeks is to come up with uh, what happens. Yeah, right? I was like... And the best one will get a fancy, small, drunken Dallas t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Um... Speaking of t-shirts... I want to make a new shirt. What are we going with? So, and we, it may not be shirt design, sadly enough, despite the fact that we love them deeply, because one thing that shirt design does not have is a black shirt. Oh. They have this kind of dark thing, but not black. It's that brownies. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't quite cut it for it. And, um, and so I may have to go a different route for this. Makes me cry, but... But I want to use, I want to do one that you can actually wear in public. What? Even if you're, you know, not super brave regarding uh, overtly sexual imagery, drug use, or other things check, like that. Check, check, So <laughs> this is just the logo that we used on the, um, like, if you get the, oh, yeah. the Taoist lecture series. It's the same one I put on that my That was supposed to be a the, tattoo at one point in time. It's going to be. Oh, you can do it? Yes. I say this year, this is going to become a tattoo on one of my shoulders. Nice. And uh, so I'm going to put up pictures on Facebook or something. But yeah, we are going to, if we do, as I think we will go forward with this, I'll just take pre-orders and just go with the pre-orders because I don't think we're going to carry it, have it in stock. And the big ones on the back? Yeah. Big yeah. logo with the yin-yang and feathers hanging down, kind of like it's a mix of yin-yang with the native spin to it. And then in the front, same design, but tiny on the side with Taoist tribe written on top. A plus. And that's it. I can't Very wait. Very simple. So um, that's the, we're going to do just pre-orders because it's, because especially if we have to do it no short design, so it's actually going to cost us more we're going to be really tight with the money just to make sure we break even. So it's probably we're not going to order stuff that we can sell and have it hanging around until somebody order it. So if that happens, I'll make sure to announce it and let you know. What could be more exciting than that? No, I'm, I like that. I'm happy about that. I think that's plenty for the people today. Yes, my man. I think we. you did not look happy when you walked in here. Uh, you look happier now. So I think yeah. that's mission accomplished. Now I'm going to go play in my garden. 
The funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode. Like, really, like the 204th one if we count the bonus episodes. But 199 in the books. Um, 200 will be the next one up. If you guys have some thoughts on on hanging out with us over these nine years, please send them my way. We'll collate and, and press and copy and put some of those together. Be awesome to hear what everybody has to say. That's fantastic, man. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And get ready for our mystery special guest coming up in the next one. It should be a good one. Excellent. See you, bye. Sweet. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's maybe too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?